0: Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive. I am your host, Lorianne Sheldrig, the Contagiously Positive Girl, and every single week I come here to help you make happiness your permanent default setting. I believe that your level of happiness is going to be one of the most life-altering things you choose to have every single day. And it isn't about choosing to be a perfect little happy robot, it is about choosing a happy life, regardless of what challenges you have to face. So choose happiness today and unleash your inner contagiously positive tomorrow. Let's begin. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have an incredible guest today. I sat down and had this really beautiful conversation with Shula Mitt Left Tov. Shula is the CEO of a wonderful clinic called Compassionate Support for Stressful Times, something I think many of us need right now. She has many practitioners in her clinic, but she herself works with busy women and, um, Business women who want to manage the effects of stress and trauma better so that they can feel good and so that they can react and respond effectively when the crap hits the fan. And, you know, as I mentioned to Shula, when we first got on the call together, shit definitely has hit the fan these days. So, um... I can't say enough about Shula and I can't say enough about the conversation that we had. Shula is a social worker psychotherapist. She's also a certified clinical trauma professional. Um, She has over 18 years working in the field of mental health and personal growth. And this is why I really wanted to have this conversation with her because now more than ever, we need these tools that Shula is offering all of us. So you can check out Shula at www.compassionate.com support.ca and read more about her and read more about her practitioners as well. And www.shula.ca is her own personal website as well. And I'm going to include everything in the show notes because um, the conversation that we had was really eye-opening for me and it helped me see that so many of the things that I was feeling that felt like unnormal to me was actually... Um, normal considering we're in this very abnormal situation right now. It's actually our primal instincts. So a few things that she talks about. um, We talk about something really interesting which is how our nervous system is responding to threat right now and how like Throughout evolution, we've had this fight or flight response, but now, because we've evolved and we're actually not being chased by wild animals, we now have this freeze and flaunt response. So just diving into that is so worth the listen. We also talk about what's happening in our body and our mind and why it feels like sometimes we just can't control our emotions. And she talks about why that is and that it has nothing to do with willpower. You can't will your way out of it. It's We just have to claim that emotion before it claims us. We talk about the animalistic way that our body just knows how to protect us because it's meant to help us survive, especially when we're in um when we're in a traumatic experience or when we're in danger or when we have a threat. So that was incredible. We even talked about why we might be eating more. That was actually really interesting. And I had a major aha moment during that conversation. Um, and she talked about moralizing language around food, ways we can deal with the emotional roller coaster that most of us are on. Um, and she ends with the most beautiful, heart-centering meditation. So honestly, everyone, welcome Shula Mitt Bear Love Tove. I'm so I almost want to cry just introducing her because this conversation that we had and now getting to share Shula's wisdom with all of you just really fills my heart. So stay tuned right to the end for the meditation. Take all the little nuggets in, write the notes down, practice the tools that she's talking about and... Just know that whatever you're feeling right now, it's absolutely normal to a very abnormal situation that we're all experiencing. I love you all, and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. Welcome, Shula. I love that I actually get to see your face, too, and that we're not just speaking to each other. We see each other. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy you're here. Um for everyone listening, I was driving by your office and felt so guided to reach out to you to have you on the podcast. And then the next morning I got an email from you, um, asking if we could just have a conversation with each other. So it was so, it was so perfect. And I really wanted to have you on the podcast because I just don't think there's, anybody better right now to be talking to people, especially with everything that you do in your practice and in your business. Because number one, you're also a certified uh, clinical trauma professional, which is phenomenal. And then you also work with entrepreneurs um, for when shit hits the fan and shit has definitely hit the fan. It sure has. So how are you doing through all of this before we dive in and you're just going to share all your wisdom. How are you doing through all of this?
1: Oh, it depends on the the hour and it depends on the day. Uh, Frankly, emotionally today is tough. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: The tears are just right in my throat and right below the bottom of my eyes. Uh, and it's been like that since Thursday, so this is Monday, so it's been four or five days that it's been emotionally tough uh but you know the four or five days before that it felt I felt completely normal <laughs> so you know i i it's and i've heard from clients and from friends and fellow therapists and fellow entrepreneurs. This is a pretty universal experience yes of uh it's really. I use the term emotional roller coaster to describe what we go through as entrepreneurs. Uh, and certainly, life is an emotional roller coaster, but the ups and downs are so much more intense right now and also much more frequent. Yes. Right? It's almost like you're being, it's almost like the teacup ride, actually, if you think about it. If you want to continue the analogy of like uh, amusement rides, right? It's a bit more like the teacup because you're kind of being whipped around.
0: You know? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I've actually been using that analogy as well, just um, either the roller coaster or riding the wave. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I'm at the top of the wave and I feel really good and I'm so productive and I'm so creative and I can feel the appreciation and gratitude. And then I was like you um, It just a few days ago where the entire day, I just cried the entire day. um, The lump would come and I would cry. And so some days I'm on the up and some days I'm on the down, but it really is just this whipping around of what's happening? Two minutes ago, I was feeling great. So I think that's so normal. um,
1: Well, in terms of nervous,
0: whim through these uncharted waters
1: yeah yes i agree with you that it's normal and in fact we could say this is something i often say to folks who are having reactions uh that they don't understand who have been through something very difficult before and they say well that's over i don't understand why i'm feeling this way now uh and i say that's you're having a normal response to an abnormal situation Right? That what's abnormal is not how you're reacting. What's abnormal is what happened. Mm. And that applies just as much now, I think, as it does to trauma. We are in a very abnormal situation. That's what's not normal. How we are reacting is completely normal given what we're going through. And, And that's what's abnormal. And to kind of expand on that a little bit, you know, the nervous system has two modes of response to threat, right? Well, actually I wanna kind of put a little parenthesis. There are actually four modes of response, freeze, fawn, oh dear, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So we, we, most people are familiar with fight and flight, which are yes. ones on, let's say one's on one end of the continuum and the other is on the other end but in the middle, there are two responses, the freeze and fawn or collapse, right? That are kind of, that we're not familiar with. Um, So the fight and flight are hyper activation. And that's when you're in your sympathetic nervous system response. You're very heightened, you're very wound up. It's the adrenaline rush that people are familiar with. And this is often, I find, that we're yo-yoing in between the hyper and the hypo, which is not enough, the collapsy place, right? Yeah. And so, on a hyper day, when I'm hyperactivated, when my nervous system is very up and I'm in the fight flight, I'm productive, I'm doing stuff, I'm focused, I've got my shit together, I'm ba 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 ba, right? Like bam, bam, bam. Absolutely. And then it's wham right down to the collapse where I can't even, like, I made a post on social media the other day that I was overwhelmed by having to put the dishes away. Like, I looked at the dishes and I was like, I can't even. Like, I couldn't even because, you know, every dish goes in a different place. There's the pots that go here, the pans that go there, the plates that go here. And my brain just could not sort. It couldn't. It looked at the mess and it couldn't even pick one thing to do. Yeah. Right? Because was, it was too much and it was just dishes. But when you think about the cognitive load it takes to sort out, okay, this is a spoon. I'm going to pick up the spoon and put the spoon where the spoons go. Cognitively, it's very hard. But when you're in a collapsey state, you just can't. It just is a wall of crap and you can't sort through it, right? And those are the those are the ups and the downs. We're up, we're hyperactivated, we're really productive and responsive and get stuff done. And then we're hypo, which is not enough. We're underactivated, we're in the collapse response. Yep. And that's when
0: we can't get anything done. And is that okay to be in that state? Because I just feel like I can't ride that high 24 hours a day but i also don't want to be in a total collapse either like i had a similar meltdown in the kitchen um over the weekend where i was i got confused i made tuna melts and i got confused as to where i put mine because i made mine different than my husband made his and i got so upset that i wasn't going to get the right tuna melt and it was so ridiculously small, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, I knew consciously in that moment, I'm like, I know I should not be getting upset about this, but I can't help it. So is that like, that's normal though during a, a, a crisis like this, right? Because right, that's your nervous system response; it just can't handle it, so it it just it just checks out, right? Yeah. It's a mental overload right now too, right? Like we're so heavily burdened with information just being thrown at us with also a big question mark at the end of it. Yeah. 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 So... What are you recommending to not just your clients but your community because I, I know like I'm so resonating with the stuff you're posting on social media about like you're using language like it's okay to feel what you're feeling it's okay to not be okay it's okay to not learn something new right now it's okay you keep repeating this what are the things that you're recommending to your community and your clients right now including yourself that you're that you're following as well to just keep yourself Calm because shit has really hit the fan in our lives right. and our businesses and our businesses, holy crap,
1: yes yeah so I'll answer in a second, uh, and I want to say two things before we get to the recommendations, because they're important context for what what I will say. the first thing is this flip flop between hyper activation and hypoactivation between uh, on the ball and collapse is um, out of our con- conscious control. It's out of the control of our will. We cannot will ourselves to relax when we're in that activated area and we cannot will ourselves to do stuff when we're in the collapsed area. Okay. Right? This is a choice. This is, I mean, in quotation marks choice cause it isn't actually a choice. It's, um, it's a response, let's say, or a reaction that our organism, our organism takes in all the data that's available to us, to it, and it responds to the information it's receiving. And it's very, we could say it's instinctive, or we could say it's automatic. None of those words really capture the true nature of what's happening, but what's important to recognize is that it's beyond our will. Mm. So there's an aspect of how to live through this that has to do with recognizing that this is, Mm, we could say natural in a way that it's our organism's own response, and to trust our organism that it is where it needs to be right now, and that it will shift. This it takes enormous strength, enormous emotional strength to, as you say, ride the wave. It takes enormous emotional strength to, in, when you're in a collapse, say to yourself, okay, I know this is my organism trying to do the best that it can for me. I'm gonna trust my organism, that it's. I'm not gonna be stuck here forever, that this is where I need to be right now, and this is the right and okay place for me. And then when you come up again, and you're feeling activated, to also say to yourself, this is my organism responding. I'm gonna trust my organism. I." Trust that it will, that it will lead me in the way that I need to be led, right? Yeah. As an overall philosophy to just kind of trust that your organism knows what it's doing. I love that.
0: It's almost like animalistic, right? Yes, like animals don't question scary. it, right? Nature doesn't question it, yeah. um, but we humans do. And because we just have so many expectations we put on ourselves yeah. and how we should react to this when you're so right. Like we're designed as humans to have that fight or flight because it's actually there to protect us, but we're yeah. told to fear fear. So then we like even fear our natural animalists are, yeah, it's so crazy. No wonder we feel like Mad Hatter Madness sometimes. Yes. So
1: my recommendation for this part is to hang out with people who understand this Mm. and who will help you because when you're in either state, you're dysregulated. So you're, you're not thinking as clearly as you might like and you lose perspective. And so having a buddy or a girlfriend or somebody who gets it, that you can call them up and go, I'm freaking out right now that they can say, Oh, remember, this is the roller coaster. You're on the high, the high won't last for, you know what I mean? Have somebody yeah. help you remember, because as I said, it's a enorm- it takes enormous emotional strength to do this. And when you're, when you're thinking part of your brain is not on because you're in either of these two States, having somebody help you remember what you know is, is really valuable. So, um, You know, having a trusted person who can help you get your head on straight, who can listen, who understands what's happening and is uh, committed, equally committed to acceptance and support and compassion and non-judgment, right? Who can create that space for you will help you ride those waves. Absolutely. Right. And it could be your coach. It could be a friend. It could be your therapist. It could be your pastor. It could be your mom. You know, it's whoever it is who has that capacity to
0: support you in that. And you can arrange that, right? You can let them know we're going through this, um, this crisis, this traumatic experience, and we are on this roller coaster and create that buddy system with each other. Yes. Yeah, set that expectation recommend- and intention with one another instead of, well, I don't want to call and bother them. Well, they know because it's a two-way street. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I would recommend, actually, I
1: love that you use the word buddy system. I would recommend very strongly that people set up a buddy system And that you have regular calls because the thing is when you're feeling, when you're overwhelmed to figure out who you're going to call and then make the appointment, make the arrangement to speak, like it's too much. But if every Monday you have a call with your girlfriend, you know, or whoever you on Friday, if you're freaking out, you can say to yourself, Monday, I'm talking to so-and-so Monday, I'm talking to so-and-so Monday, I'm talking to so-and-so so that when on Monday you get there, you can say, and they can help you remember, right. Or vice versa. Absolutely. Also the regularity. You were talking about soothing your nervous system. I I don't know if you use the word soothing, but like regular, uh, like helping yourself calm and relax. One of the things that sends the message, uh, that message is regular stuff, Mm -hmm. predictable, regular things. And so as much as you can build in a predictable, regular phone call that helps you know that the support is there. Absolutely. You don't have to worry about it or go looking for it. You can just trust that it's there.
0: It's almost like telling your body that you're safe because you have that set up. It knows you're safe because you're not in a panic. Thinking, who am I going to reach out to? I'm not okay right now. I don't know who to reach out to. You have five people that come to your mind, but it's like what you said when you were trying to put the dishes away. You couldn't even, your brain even couldn't put them into categories to make that decision. So you don't wanna be paralyzed by it, right? Which I find um, when I'm on the down and I am in that like freeze. I can't even make a decision. So um, it's, it's really helpful if the decision was already made for me. Yes,
1: yes, yes. And I want to really normalize, like again, how we talked about like your tuna melt and the dishes that, you know, we think and we say it's common knowledge. If you're in trouble, reach out. If you need help, call somebody. But how hard is it? Okay, First, I have to figure out which friend. Then I have to figure out, do I phone, do I email, do I text, do I WhatsApp, do I Facebook messenger, right? What platform? Then I have to reach out to them and then we have to coordinate our schedules. Like, you know what? Reaching out for help is not that easy.
0: Yeah. It's true, you know, I've been saying every single day on social media, I'm offering free coaching, anybody that needs it, reach out. And I'm on an endless loop and someone commented just jokingly and they're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. And I'm like, I get it, but people need to hear it every day, all day, over and over and over again because I can't just pick up the phone and say, by the way, I saw your post today, um, which I am doing for some people when I'm seeing things. Um, I saw your post today how can I support you? Because people, it is, I don't, I don't enjoy picking up the phone and just saying, listen, I'm having a, I just had a panic attack over a tuna melt, right? Like, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that, but I do feel comfortable knowing that I have a call on Monday morning with certain people that we've already arranged to do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's such a great tip and makes me feel really safe. I think that's, is that key to our fight or flight um, to that response that it's reacting because we're not feeling safe in some
1: way? Oh, yes, absolutely. So the other, like, I mean, there are interventions that we can do in the moment that help. Um, But given my assumption is that we are not going to find the middle place right now mm. because we are in an ongoing state of tension, right? There's a, uh, the threat is not, the threat is ongoing. Yeah. So the name of the game with an ongoing threat is ongoing, soothing, calming, nourishing, comforting messages because it would be a big old lie to say flat out, listen, you're safe. Yeah. Or that you can really Yeah. Safety, in fact, for some people doesn't exist. Even if there were no external threats, there is no safety for them in their world, right? So it's more helpful to talk in terms of calm or comfort or calm even is out of people's reach, but comfort, ease, nourishment, soothing. Mm -hmm. We all can have independent of what else is going on. We can have an experience of soothing, an experience of comfort. Right, like if you think about comfort, like I think about uh, what I feel like when I get in bed. Yes. Right, and I have my big old winter duvet, and I have my special pillow, and I have my um, foam mattress topper, and I just, I sink in and I'm like, oh, I just, every night I'm so happy for my bed, right? Absolutely. Uh, And that's just an example. I'm not saying everybody should have that
0: experience when they get in their bed. Yeah, but it is a way of comforting yourself that works yes. for you. So if they just focus on, well what brings me comfort, they can yes. bring those tools in, that stuff into their life. And or just be aware of it. Like, oh my god, yeah. I feel that way when I get into my bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that one of the one of the
1: practices we could reach for that I that I would recommend reaching for is uh experiences that are the opposite of what we're going through right now Mm. so you can kind of brainstorm what's the opposite of fear fun play nourishment again comfort um soothing uh ease all those kinds of things can so if you can say to myself what's the opposite of fear and then and then say oh well these are the things like then you can do, you can find strategies that are more adapted to what is uh, appropriate for you in your life. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And like eating, people are making a big deal right now about, uh, there's a lot of discomfort around eating.
0: Yeah. I've been seeing that a lot lately about the um, importance of taking care of your body, which I agree with, but I know I was on the scale the other day, I've gained five pounds and I am okay with that because I've been eating more because I'm finding the cooking very comforting and finding the additional food just feels really good. But I've, not been doing it from a negative place. I've been doing it from a place, like you said, of comfort and soothing. So I'm okay with that extra weight and I'm okay with the extra eating because I'm not eating really horrible food. I'm cooking, I'm just eating richer food. Yes, feels good. Yes. And even,
1: I I I wanna uh, invite consideration around the moralizing language around food.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to say, like, food is food. Yeah. And so um, the underlying concept is that our organism is trying to, trying to uh, respond to threat. One of the things that human bodies do when threatened, right? One of the, one of the kind of very primal threats is starvation.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Right? And the body can't discern what the threat is. It just knows there's a threat. Okay. And one of the adaptations to threat is weight. Because if you have extra weight, extra in quotation marks, more weight than you're used to having, you, from an organismic point of view, are prepared for famine. Yep. For starvation of any type, including illness. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're sick, often you're not able to eat.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right, and if you're ill and you have that weight that's more than you're used to having, you have reserves that can help you face the
0: threat of the illness and survive it. Oh, that's so. Brilliant, our bodies are so brilliant. I never looked at it that way, I just looked at it as a really comfortable, soothing thing that I can do. That's also true. That's also my god. But it's so amazing to know that my body's also craving. I, I'm a vegetarian. I have not been a vegetarian through this whole process. I crave meat every single day. And yeah. it's really, And I give it to myself because I've worked really hard to listen to my body. And I'm like, well, my body obviously needs it. And of course it needs it because it's looking to protect itself and get ready yeah. for potential famine because it doesn't yeah. know that we're not going to. It doesn't know the difference, like you said. It just knows- kind of Oh my God. Isn't that so fascinating? Yeah. Our bodies are just so wise. And do you find that being able to explain that to people and knowing that yourself, do you find it gives just that alone gives people comfort, that self-awareness of how smart people are just naturally without having to even think about it. Are you finding that's giving people comfort Yes. I've seen, I've seen a lot
1: of relief when people are exposed to this idea. Um, there's, you know, uh, uh, this is a, a thread that's present on social media. And I've observed that there are people who over and over again, express great relief. And when I've shared it with people individually, uh, I've seen kind of just like what happened with you, where you just kind of lit up and went, wow, and had wow. a whole new appreciation for yourself. And appreciation for yourself is the opposite of threat. Absolutely. And to be able to have that sense of, I'm imagining you must have had some kind of warmth in your body, your face lit up, you smiled, right? You had that kind of aha feeling. Those are all really good experiences to have in your body to help you uh, reduce the threat response as well. And that's like even just knowing and understanding and having that sense of appreciation can be really
0: helpful. And I've seen that happen over and over again. Yeah. Well, it just instantly, when you said it, I felt instantly connected to my body and all of a sudden my brain, my brain finally connected why my body was craving those things that I don't usually eat. And instantly when I felt the connection, I just felt this relief, like forget about the fact that you're eating meat or not, you're eating things that are, that your brain, your body, like your whole being needs right now. And just that's Okay. Yes,
1: and to further refine this, to come back to moralizing language around food, and you said horrible. I'm not eating horrible foods. Yeah, the thing is that in the same way that our body doesn't distinguish what the threat is, it just knows it's threat. Yes, our body doesn't distinguish between what food, what 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 we're putting in our mouth.
0: Mm.
1: Like if it want, if its idea is I have to withstand famine and I need to get extra weight no matter what then calorie-dense, calorie-rich, high-energy food makes sense in that context. And in that context, it isn't horrible. It's actually really exactly what the body wants. The only thing that makes it problematic is that we live in a world that stigmatizes weight. Mm. We make it a problem. Yes, we do. Well, uh, on an individual level, yes, but it's a social problem. Yeah. Weight stigma is a social problem that, that causes great physical and mental harm to people. And it's only in the context of weight stigma that putting on weight in our bodies is, is an issue. Because if we take weight stigma out of the picture, we're looking, like you said, at this very naturalistic response of our body to threat that it's trying to do the best it can for us. And there's nothing wrong with that if Absolutely. we take weight stigma out of the picture.
0: Absolutely. So what's new language? What what is this new positive language people can use? So I know, because this will be such a big thing for women, um, instead of, you know, I'll just give an example. My girlfriend was saying to me the other day, she's like, I feel so gross about myself. I was on such a good routine working out, and now I can't do anything other than walk. And I'm thinking, well, great, you're walking out in nature, beautiful. But she was so ashamed. And she's like, and I'm gaining weight. And all of a sudden, all the foods I worked so hard to stop eating, the cheese, the dairy, all the stuff that she labeled as bad for her, uh, she's like, now I'm craving it and I can't stop eating it. So it was shame, 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 right? Like I'm such a bad girl. I'm such a bad girl. So what's new supportive language that we can, because I love the way you flip things around. Like, so instead of that then, what's new things we can say to ourselves when we are shaming ourselves for just our body doing what it animalistically, if you will, needs to do. Yes. Well, I think you just said it. I'm going to say it
1: back to you. My body is doing what it animalistically needs to do. Mm. My body is trying so hard to protect me under this threat. Um, My body is doing its very best for me. My body's trying to
0: protect me. Those kind of things. Yeah. And we do, we all respond in different ways. Like I'm seeing some people who like they're upping their fitness game and wonderful and it's helping their mental health. Um, and that's amazing. Yes. But I think for the majority, we're all in this stage where the last thing we want to do, um, is bring this rigorous hardcore fitness routine into what already feels like a heavy, um, really tough day to even make routine on a regular basis so both are okay it's just where are you on that scale
1: exactly exactly that you've totally put the put your your hit the nail on the head because a person who's working out like very vigorously we might say they're in the fight response Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and mobilizing is what's helping them yeah right it's so idiosyncratic and it's really about saying, being in your own frame of reference and, 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 and appreciating what your organism is trying to do for you, independent of what specifically it's doing.
0: Yeah. And it makes so much sense. You know, one of the questions I ask every day is, uh, one of them is, what does my body need today? Yes! Is- Oftentimes, like, it'll be like a walk in nature, which also tackles the mental and emotional and spiritual aspect. But sometimes it's just, oh, you really need to make like a shepherd's pie, or you really need to make a casserole, or you really need to make this. And, you know, I haven't really been queuing in that. It's all those um, very, very old school, if you will, meals that are protective. It's what our grandparents ate. It's the farmer. It's the earth. It's all of that stuff that we've really become so disconnected from because we're told every day, the only thing you should eat is a salad, right? Like, because God forbid you put on, you know, an ounce. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. I think that's going to really, really help a lot of people just on the food side that it's not about what's bad or good, it's about what you need and what your body is saying, this is what you need, this is what you need to give it because we're trying to protect you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just like, it's just like a big wrap around us, right? A big hug around us, which is so amazing. So that's, I think that's a really, um, another good segue is because our mind is so heavily burdened right now, um, and so many of us are feeling this way, what would you say to people who are just like, I'm feeling unproductive, I'm feeling unmotivated, I'm feeling a little airy, I know that's myself, sometime, myself some days. I don't, even though I have all this time, I can't do the things that I wanna do. What is happening in their brain that's just like creating that barrier or that block from them to being productive or motivated is that natural as well that it's possible that again it's just protecting them and saying well what you really need is to pause or is it just because it's just too much in the head
1: i think it's both mm. uh the collapse response is a, is a is you know we have the hyper which is over activated and the hypo which is under hypo activation is the collapse area um and we cannot maintain constant up and Yet when we find ourselves up for too long, then we crash, Mm. right? Yep. Uh, Some people never get up. They just crash right away. And that's also okay. It's a normal response. Um, When the brain is overwhelmed, it just will give up. That's just what it does sometimes. And that's as much a response as it is to fight. The sad thing is that we we always talk about fight flight, but we never talk about the freeze collapse so much. Yeah, you you mentioned a phrase, fawn?
0: Fawn, like like show your belly. Oh, so could you describe the other two? Because I think we all know the fight or flight, but it might be really helpful for people to really understand the other two as well and where they fall on the scale, depending on the hour. Yeah. Yeah. So if uh, if you use the vision of an animal that's threatened by a prey
1: animal that's threatened by a predator, okay? And what happens to the animal, right? Some animals will fight, some animals will run away. But when the brain, and again, this is at a level beyond choice, beyond will, the your organism will will, uh, take in the information available to it and it will respond. And when it deems that it can't fight and it can't run, the other choices available are to either go along with things, mm. which is the fawning response, to freeze, which is the very tense and still, right? With the wide opens like deer in the headlights. Yeah, paralyzed. That's right. Or there's collapse, which is floppy, like play dead. Yep. And all of those are common responses to threat. In fact, the vast majority of people don't fight or run because in the vast majority of threat situations, there is no possibility, especially as human beings now, yeah. there is, there's nothing to run from. There's nothing to fight. Like right now, there is no bear. Yeah. Right? The threat is ubiquitous and it's, um, what's the word? Uh, un, it's, um, what's the word? Intangible. Yeah. So we don't have the choice to fight or run. Yeah. The, we're stuck with
0: fawning, freezing, or collapsing. Mm, and I th- you know, it's so funny. I've never heard fawning, but it makes so much sense in a case of trauma like yes. this, yes. or it's making me think of all, you know, we always think like, when there's a war or what, why do so many people follow? Why do so many people follow this one core group when they don't want to? Cause they're, they're like, well, it was either that or I get, or I die. Right. Um, It makes so much sense. It's like, well, I'm just going to follow the pack. It's safe to follow the pack. I'll do what we do it in business as well in our lives. I'll do what everyone else is doing because that's safe. That makes so much sense. And even on a, and
1: that, I love how you draw that analogy of like socially, why do things happen? And even on a specific individual level, like this is a little, this is this is the trauma theory that comes in that's more, you know, uh, therapeutic work that I would do as, that I would have done as a therapist with a person who's surviving trauma. Uh, when a person is in a situation where they are directly threatened, like a child, or a woman in a situation of domestic violence, or when you are assaulted by someone, uh, you know, out of the a stranger, which is a very small. Most people are assaulted by people they know, are assaulted or abused by people they know. But even in the case of a stranger, there are people who will comply. There are people who will go along there were people who, in quotation marks, allow the abuse to happen mm-hmm. because their organism has decided that the way for them to survive is for them to go along with things. And again, it's not in their control. Yeah. Right. And why it's so important to point that out, that it's a survival mechanism, that's a reaction that it is, is outside of choice is because often people will, come, will, will say, well, it's my fault because I didn't. I should have run away. I should have cried for help. I should have, I should have, I should have. But if you didn't, it's because you couldn't.
0: Yeah. And it was the best strategy you had available at the time to survive. They were paralyzed and it was the only... And I, I can understand that you take something as simple as people's fear of spiders. Sometimes they literally can't move. They're, they're trapped in place. And, you know, a therapist, you'll, you'll see it is actually trying to like help them overcome this fear of this like tiny little thing that they could squash and they can't, their brain is saying, move your feet and their body saying, no, that's right. Yeah. So it may, in that case, it's the same thing. You know, we 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 do we find ourselves saying, "Why didn't they just leave? Why didn't they just run? Yes. Why didn't they fight back?" It's because they they physically couldn't. Their body yeah. wouldn't allow them to, right? Yeah, because they the best chance for survival under the circumstances,
1: uh, their organism uh, did the math and calculated that the best
0: option for survival was to go along. Wow. Do people have? Um, one typical reaction that is their usual default? Do we usually have a default? Yes. Okay. So that's just something we've always had and it's our typical default and it's where we fall. What if we don't want that to be our default? (laughs) What if, you know, like say for example you were talking about collapse right now because we're not actually being chased by anything, the collapse might be, I can't get out of bed. How do we how do we change our default? or do we?
1: Well, that's, I think that's a question kind of beyond the scope of what we can talk about today, because it's a long, it's a long and involved uh, process. Um, However, when we find ourselves in collapse now, like in relation to what we're living now, this pandemic situation, and you find yourself in collapse, um, we talked about part of it is acknowledging that this is this is where I am right now. And this is my body trying to help me, my organism trying to help me out. Um, and it's okay for me to be like this. Mm -hmm. And you may, uh, you know, little teeny weeny itty bitty little things that you can do to mobilize, to move in any way, um, can help. Uh, you can ask, like, I'm imagining if you're having trouble getting out of bed and you're living with somebody, you can ask the person, you know, would you come and, would you come and, and hold my hand?
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, would you come and would you massage my hands? Would you uh, sit beside me and, uh, while I sit up? Would you, could you put your hands out and let me hold your hands? And would you lean back so that as I lean forward, I'll come up onto my feet? Like it could be mm. as small as that. Um, it could be as simple as taking a shower and then going back to bed like any any win is a win
0: when you're any little itty bitty thing is a win when you're in collapse right don't focus on getting from the collapse right to the riding wave and and i'm i'm now i'm productive and i'm doing this it's Baby step it, okay, I'm in bed, I'm having a really hard time. You know what, I'm just gonna get up and have a coffee. I'm in bed, I'm just gonna get up and have a shower or brush my teeth. It's just those little tiny baby steps that we can do.
1: So even to even make it even smaller, I don't know about you, but I know when I'm, like I often have uh, really bad headaches. Okay. And that I get into a very collapsed state around that because the the pain just overwhelms my capacity, right? And and I forget to, I forget in quotation marks to even take medication Mm. because I'm in such a collapsed state. But one of the things that I notice about myself is that I'll, I'll have to pee for a long time before I actually get out of bed. Mm. And like, if you're in a collapsed state and you can get up to pee when you have to pee instead of lying there, having to pee for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Right. And just kind of with that irritation, but not acting on it, even if Even if you're in a collapsed state and what you do is you get up when you have to pee and you go pee and then you come back to bed. That is huge.
0: That's a win that you, you tell yourself that is a win. I did that. Yes. Yeah. So I think because it is, and, and like you said, you know, when I asked the question, what can we do? It is so deep because trauma does require working with someone like yourself, a trauma professional to really work with someone through all of that. It's usually not something we can do on our own because we're so traumatized. Right. So that is such a deep thing. I think for everyone listening, the most important thing is to just become very aware of where you are on that scale. What is your, what is your response right now? Is it fight? Is it flight? Is it freeze or is it fawn?
1: Yeah. Where and am I? Would I- say yes. To, I would say there are two keys. The one key you just articulated, which is to recognize where you are. And the sort of second half key to that is to offer yourself some compassion and understanding around that. Yeah. Yeah. The other key is to recognize that as human beings, we are interdependent. We are relational. Our brains were built to relate to one another. Mm -hmm. And so to believe that I should be able to help myself is actually very flawed. Yeah. So on the one hand, we want to have self-responsibility and say, yes, our well-being is in our hands. It's true that we do have autonomy. We do have choice. We are. Uh, We do have, uh, we can exercise influence over our situation. And at the same time, to recognize that we need each other. Absolutely. In the same way that our body cannot exist without food, we cannot be well without other humans.
0: Absolutely. And
1: so when you find yourself in a tough spot, the medicine for that is often... Other people. Yeah. Our very first response when we come into the world, like if you think of how animal babies are born, they're born very quickly, being able to walk, nurse, all those kinds. You know, if you look in the world, how quickly they're able to do what they need to do in order to survive, right? Within minutes or hours. Yeah. What's the first thing a human baby does? Cries. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is a cry? It's yeah. asking for help. Yeah. Asking for help is our primary survival mm. strategy as human beings.
0: Oh, and I just got goosebumps because what's the first thing we say right away from the time we're born, we're being told, don't cry, right? Don't cry, don't right? cry, and we're being told that from seconds old. Um, and it's like embedded in us from the moment we breathe air from our first cry that it's not okay to cry and it is our way of saying I'm I'm feeling something right now or I need help or I need something or I'm not getting something or I'm experiencing emotional discomfort (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. I think Something that I would just love out of all of this is for just everyone to really just embrace, especially because it is global and we might not, you know, I've been seeing this online that we're all experiencing the same thing, but we're not in the same boat, which I do understand. Um, We are all in this together. We just may not be um, in the same boat together. So this is the best opportunity for us to be able to practice reaching out and asking for help because I know i can 't do it alone i I know that um, like deep to my core that i can 't do it alone, and I think the best way to ask for help is what you said at the beginning, which is maybe just flip it around not asking for help but just scheduling that weekly call yes, yes. change the 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 word from help to. Yeah, I'm just creating a support system where not only do I have my needs met, but I'm also helping someone else.
1: Yes. It's mutual. It's a shared humanity. We're together in our distress
0: and we're together to support one another. There's no greater feeling sometimes than hopping on a call with someone and they're like, oh my God, me too. Right? (laughs) So good. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So Because you're a certified clinical trauma professional, and I know you do a lot of other work as well, where you work with entrepreneurs, I'm going to ask you that as well. But something that I really don't want to see is I don't want this to become a traumatic experience for people that they're not processing. And then five years from now, they're still working through the trauma and they're triggered by it and they're still working through this years yes. later. Yes. What are things or one thing that we can do, even if it is working with someone to ensure that we feel all that we need to feel because our, like you said, our organism is protecting us, um, but not have it become a traumatic experience that we just we, that just takes us down even five years from now. Right. Well, I think there, for some people, there will be no way to prevent it.
1: Uh, What, when, who's traumatized and who isn't, really, there are so many variables that there is no way to really protect globally or universally against being traumatized by something. Uh, So I would like to invite some compassion for everybody around this, that if you are, it's not, it's not your fault because you didn't take good enough care of yourself at the time right there's it's so much more than your individual behavior that has plays you know genetics life experience capacity support uh all those things privilege all those things play a role in whether or not you're traumatized by something even past experiences yes exactly yeah Yeah. so uh first of all if you are traumatized by this five years from now it's not your fault it's not because you didn't take good care good enough care of yourself uh We have a limited influence over that. Mm -hmm. Um, And even so, you know, if you're hurt, the response is care. Mm. And care is good in and of itself, whether it's protective or not. Care when you're in distress is the appropriate response to distress. And so I would, I would advocate and invite people to consider, how can I best care, show care to myself at this time?
0: Mm.
1: And if five years from now, they find themselves traumatized despite their best, then, the, then the, again, the question becomes, how can I best care for myself in my distress?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's really just having that plan for yourself, if you will. Um, Like I know for me, um, my mind is heavily burdened. So if I can't follow my regular routine, I don't. And I just ensure that my four main things are getting taken care of. And I ask myself, what do I need mentally today? And I write one thing down. What do I need emotionally today? What do I need spiritually today? And what do I need physically today? And if I can, sometimes one thing does it all. Sometimes it's the food. It does it all for me. I'm like, yay. Like it just gives me a boost. Um, If I can take care of that, then that's that's the best. That is the best I can do. Yes, um, I, there is I love that. I'm, can you repeat your questions? So, what do I need emotionally? What do I need mentally? What do I need physically? And what do I need spiritually? And sometimes the spiritual is, you know, just a simple prayer, and sometimes it's just um, a simple just you know, I'll touch my heart and I'm like, you're okay. You're going to get through this. Um, And it's okay that you just freaked out over a tuna melt. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, yes.
1: yes. Yes. I love the simplicity of those four questions because I think, and as you say, one
0: thing in each of those categories is enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And often it's a walk. My, you know, I have this, I have a non-negotiable, which is going for a daily walk in nature, but... I don't have it so much a non-negotiable that I get stressed out by not being able to go and do right. that walk if I just just can't feel that I don't feel like going. Yes. So I make it a non-negotiable because I know how good it makes me feel, but don't get stressed out about it if I'm like I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> yes, because yes. yeah. I think we trap ourselves sometimes when we create non-negotiables, don't we? Yes, because we yes. say but then we get stressed out about the thing that's supposed to make us feel good. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm not, it's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to eat sugar through this thing. And then I ate 12 homemade chocolate chip cookies, right? Like then you're going to be like, well, Oh my God, I said I was going to give up sugar while I'm at home. And I just ate all of these cookies and now we're self-shaming over the cookies. So, yeah. So what do you, do you think that it's really important to just kind of start those tools first thing in the morning, like do what we can in the morning, or is it just more about giving ourselves grace throughout the day? Like, is there something that you start your day in a certain way with the intention? Hopefully it will just have that momentum throughout the day. Well, I've noticed in my
1: life that just in general, that what happens in the morning has an influence on the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So I try my, my intention- Uh, and my structure supports me in having the kind of experiences that I want in the morning that will set me up for the rest of the day. But that's, I think, an individual thing that people, what might be helpful is to pay attention first and see what your patterns are and then to work with what your patterns are as they already are. I would especially say that this is not the time to try and do something new. To try and take on the new discipline or the new pattern, the new habit, Um, but rather to mine what you already do for the riches that are there Mm -hmm. and uh, enhance those Uh, and to pay attention to, like, look at how things are for you. Who am I? How am I? And how can I I make the most of that? So if you find that uh, you just don't have any energy in the morning, well, you know, that's, but that like in the afternoon, you like to talk to
0: a girlfriend that, and that that's the thing that helps you then do more of that. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I love that. I think that's so important, right? It's, it's really just all comes down to, this is a really great opportunity to go deep into knowing yes. who you are because yes. Yes, yes, um, yes. yeah, we need to know what works for us, not what the external world is telling us we should do. Because I was getting really triggered and upset by seeing all the posts, very aggressive. Like, if you're not learning something new during this, you're failing. And I'm like, oh my God, I've already failed. I've already failed. And then I was walking with my, I was walking, talking to my girlfriend one day, and I was talking about that, and she was like yeah i 'm trying to learn new things right now, and i 'm like, "Well, you know what? I learned how to program my alarm clock this week that 's enough that 's <laughs> enough i don 't want to learn anything new. I want to hone in on the other things that I feel really connected to that um, i haven 't that i 've been doing, but not going like deep within it so i 'm doing way more inner work and cooking and just trying to have, like, bring fun into the day versus trying to learn how to play the guitar because I've always wanted to learn to play the guitar. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm too mentally burdened to yes. take on a new skill and it's stressful.
1: Yes. Well, like three weekends ago, uh, I worked, I, I just blew through a positive psychology certificate. Um, you know, I did it in four days and that's all I did for the whole four days. Now, I have to say that I don't have kids. Yeah, it's me, it's me and my beloved husband, and he is also self-employed. So my situation permitted, I had the space in my life, in addition to having the mental capacity to blow through that. But that was four, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. This past weekend, I had nothing. Mm. Absolutely nothing. I can't even pick up a fiction book. Yeah. Right? And that to me, the reason I tell that story is to illustrate the wild variability in capacity in one person in a given period of time. Absolutely. Right? And as you say, getting to know ourselves and paying attention is what I think will really support us. And so this past weekend, I, I had thought that I might do some learning, but it just wasn't happening. And so uh, that, that
0: I did the work that it took to make space for that to be OK. And and I think that's really what it comes down to. Everything that you've been saying, the contrast, some people will have this opportunity and will learn a million things throughout it and some won't. And it depends on where we are and both are okay. No one's right and no one's wrong. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's just who we are and what we can handle in that moment. Some people are not... Upset by this experience at all. Um, And that's okay too. That's okay too. Um, And I really want, I love just giving massive amounts of grace to everyone wherever they are, because I don't want someone to feel ashamed for blowing up over a tuna melt. (laughs) But I also don't want people ashamed for being like, I finally have time with my kids. I finally have time with myself and I'm really not traumatized or triggered at all by this experience. I don't want shame on either, on either way, because I think there's something to be learned from both. Right. So part of the, part of the problem is the commodification of
1: joy and pain, right. That we think that they are commodities. We think of them in terms of limitation and scarcity. And that if I have joy, it's going to reduce yours. Or if I have pain, it's going to, if you're, my pain is invalid in relation to yours. Cause if I say I'm in pain, that will diminish yours. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're not commodities. The good news and the bad news is that there's plenty of joy
0: and pain both to go around. Yeah. And uh, you know, you just reminded me of something that you taught me last time we spoke that really hit me. You said, Lorianne, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can experience, because we live in contrast, you said, and you can experience joy, joyful moments, and also moments of total frustration um, and dis-ease over what's happening in the world. Yes. Yeah. Because I remember when I was talking to you, I was saying that I was just having a really hard time putting myself in one category. And you're like, no, (laughs) you don't just go into one category because we are humans and we have this emotional scale. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can, you can feel both. And, and I find too, like, People have a really easy time going online and expressing all the negative ways that they're feeling, but I'm noticing people are feeling a lot of shame around saying, I had a really joyful day today with my kids, or I had a really joyful time out um, in nature today, or I was so grateful for this. People are having a really hard time expressing their joy because they don't want to diminish people's pain or, yeah, it's crazy, the, the expectations and limitations we put on ourselves yeah yeah so i want to just shift gears just a little bit because i don't want to miss this opportunity to talk to you a little bit about entrepreneurship because entrepreneurs before this were already stressed out which is why you created this beautiful business around helping busy women um really really put a plan together for when shit does hit the fan right yes so entrepreneurs were stressed out to begin with and i know mental health was a big issue um, pre-covid for entrepreneurs what is happening now with entrepreneurs because um, they're gonna be incredibly stressed out they already are they're worried about their businesses some won't make it some will some will have to totally start all over again everything we talked about, does it relate to entrepreneurship as well, or is there something that we need to do in our businesses and in our lives um, to really just keep things together right now until it's business as usual? I think uh,
1: entrepreneurship adds a layer, right, so that everything we've talked about applies to entrepreneurs, but then in addition, uh, there's the the demands of the work that we do. And in my experience personally, and also working with clients, being an entrepreneur intensifies whatever it is that we're going through. Yep. Uh, And especially when we're stressed out, there's an additional layer of stress, right? So, um, all the things that we've talked about apply equally to entrepreneurs. And in addition, uh, you said something earlier about how helpful it is when you get on the phone with somebody and you express how you are and they say, oh, me too. Yes. Right, How, how just how nourishing and how validating and that is and how it helps you know I'm not alone and I'm not nuts. Right, Which are, these are all the things we think when we're having a hard time. I'm alone, I'm the only person, I'm crazy, this is not normal. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And I think even more so was entrepreneurs having connection with other entrepreneurs, uh, having a community of people who share the frame of reference and who share the experience uh, is really a very powerful medicine for these Mm -hmm. times. And so you talked about having a best girlfriend, like your, what did you say, a, a buddy, right? Buddy, yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's the concept of the biz BFF. And I would just say that that's even more important now than ever um, to have another leader, another entrepreneur who understands what's happening to leaders and what's happening to entrepreneurs in this context uh, to, be, to see and be seen. Yeah. Is so important. So because of that, uh, I've developed a group program for uh, a group support and resilience program for women entrepreneurs. So that the primary feature of this program is a facilitated peer support call where there's safe space to be in a context where you don't have to network, you don't have to sell your business, you don't have to look like you've got it all together. There is a space where you can fully be the human that you are in your entrepreneurial experience and be seen and validated by other women or women identifying entrepreneurs. Uh, There will also be resilience tips uh, and instruction in a private group on alternating weeks for the calls. Uh, and, I've, and I've built this experience based on the idea that community heals mm-hmm. and that isolation is, a, a, well, we know actually from the research that isolation is a social determinant of health and that isolation and loneliness has uh, as much impact on your health as smoking does. Uh, and so we know then, you know, if the, if the opposite is also true, that community heals. Absolutely.
0: With like-minded, I think that's so important because I don't get the same, um, I don't get the same feeling of relief or the, that me too, you know, calmness. Whenever it's not an entrepreneur, um, when it's someone who is still able to work and still getting that regular paycheck, and it's just like shifted from the office to home, I'm so appreciative that they have all of that and that they're there to support me. But as an entrepreneur, my business literally stopped, which means no income, none of that. So it's a different thing and having to shift gears and not really being able to speak to someone who understands having to take care of all the business on our own, not just our one job. Yes. Right. So I love that you're providing that support because it's true, you know, I've changed. I changed instantly in like week two from socially distancing to physical distancing because social distancing makes it sound like I'm alone and I'm going to have to spend the next three months by myself, um, which made me feel really depressed. And that's not what we're being told to do. So I love that you're providing this support to people because I think that's so important. So right now it'll obviously, will it always be online?
1: Yes, yes. My intention is because I live rurally, you too, right? Yeah. And I find um, it's difficult to uh, in a rural environment to find sufficient people to create a group that has the capacity to hold, you know, we might be two, three, four, whatever, but to have a, a nice, robust group. Um, my intention was actually always to create this group program. Uh, but the impetus, the the pandemic became the impetus to get that going now rather than later because the need there's a heightened need so it'll always be online the other option is of course uh, as always the door is open to working one-on-one with me as an entrepreneur so that I can help you stay sane now and in the future
0: absolutely so is this is this group Uh, available now. Can people sign up for this now or is it something to come? Because I know as we are now in week six, entrepreneurs are really feeling this heightened stress now more than ever because we have this undetermined, we don't know when a lot of our services will become essential again. So. Is this available now for people? Because I know women, I know so many women, myself included, who need this now to just really feel that connection. But also, like you said, you're going to be providing tools as well. So it's not, it's not just a support group. It's a, an opportunity to get new ideas and tools on resiliency as well. Exactly. And so regist- registration is
1: open now. Wonderful. Uh, registration will close on the 15th of May, but if early registrants will get access to the group and to uh, support calls, bonus support calls, yep. it closes on the 15th and runs for three months and then it reopens again and we'll run, uh, you know, and then have a further, so it's a three month rotating program and it's $49 U S or Canadian, depending on your country of residence. That is amazing.
0: So on your website, shula.ca group, Wonderful. And I'll make sure that that link is in the show notes for everybody because I just I know we talked a lot about just um, in general, just people's lives and our fight or flight response, which I think a lot of us are really experiencing right now. But I really wanted to focus a little bit so people also know that you work with female entrepreneurs and you're, you do such an amazing job. Um, And it's so needed because I just don't want to see us go from a pandemic crisis to a mental health crisis, which I know we have a, that's already happening, but this has given an opportunity for women like you who have been saying... I've been wanting to do this group online uh, course for so long and provide this support for so long. And this finally just gave me the opportunity to do it. And I'm going to do it. That's going to really make that stress decline for people because this is going to end. So why not do whatever we can now so that when we come out of it, we have some sense of control when we come out of it, and that's what you're providing with pe- for people and for women, and especially in the rural area as well. We're noticing such a big impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is amazing. So I'll make sure everybody knows about that. Um, Is there anything before we say goodbye? I have like eight pages of questions just on the brain and trauma and, but we'll have to do it again because there's just so much to dive into, right? Yes. Um, Is there anything you want to leave us all with that you just think, man, if I could say one thing to everybody right now, this would be it.
1: I invite you and me in this moment and anybody who's listening to take a gentle hand and to place your hand, if it feels right, to place your hand on your heart space, just on the chest there. And I invite you to feel the touch of your hand, the warmth of your hand against your chest and the rise and fall of your breath. And maybe if it feels right, you might like to say to yourself, No wonder I'm having such a hard time. No wonder. And if that's the only thing you ever do for yourself, that would be a wonderful way to offer yourself
0: care. Absolutely. That was beautiful. Thank you. Before we before we say goodbye, how can people find you? Because um, so you gave us your website, which is wonderful. Yes. How else can people find you and connect with you and just get your just your beautiful heart every day? Thank you. So um, I'm glad that you're going to
1: put this all in writing because I have an unusual name, so it makes it <laughs> a <little laughs> challenge. But my website is shula.ca. On Instagram, I'm Shuli G. S. H. U. L. I. J. I. On Facebook, I'm Shulamit
0: Bearlev-Tove M. A. Perfect. And I will have all the links for everybody in the show notes. That was wonderful. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for this thank opportunity. You so much. And yeah, we will definitely chat soon. Thanks. Bye.